When students read in class, do they struggle with pronouncing words correctly? I don't mean like articulation errors, as in the students have a really hard time saying, you know, like a specific sound like K or things like that. I mean, when they read words, do you know what word they mean to say? But maybe they're putting too much or too little emphasis on different parts of the word. This can really mess with the fluidity of reading, and it makes a really good story or piece of text just terrible to listen to. The first few months of hearing my older son read, it it was just such a mixture of pride and wanting to stick earplugs in whenever he read. Seriously, there's there's a fluidity with the way that we pronounce words and sentences. Without that fluidity, listening to someone reading is just so ugh. But there is a way to help solve that problem. It enhances the way just the listening experience for everyone involved, including the person that's doing the reading, which by the way, that directly impacts their comprehension. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we get started on that topic, I want to ask, do you feel confident in your progress monitoring techniques? I know a lot of my teacher friends who they just don't feel like they ever got started on the right foot with progress monitoring. And they've just always felt at least a step or two behind. That's why I made a guide, (laughs) and it's called Five Steps to Getting Started with Progress Monitoring. In that guide, I give simple, actionable steps to get you confidently on your way to high-quality progress monitoring. I've also included a few observation and data tracking sheets just to get you started. If you are like so many of my friends, this guide can... You just get you confidently progress monitoring this week. So to get a hold of my guide, check out the link. It's in the show notes or head over to Instagram and either click the link in my bio, you know, my little, you know, the little linky thing, or send me a DM and I'd be happy to send you the link directly. Either way, grab that guide so that whenever you need that progress monitoring data, it's ready for you. Jessica Curtis of Teaching Struggling Learners. I'm a boy mom and a veteran teacher. You're listening to the Reaching Struggling Learners podcast, where we talk all about helping students succeed academically, socially, and behaviorally. Thank you so much for tuning in. So continuing on with our journey through phonological awareness, this week we're going to talk about just being able to identify or count syllables and how that can really impact future learning. Just like with all the other skills that we've talked about with phonological awareness or phonemic awareness, without those foundational skills, all the other learning, it's, it's shaky at best. When it comes to counting syllables and words, my younger grades teachers know 
We're doing that all the time. It's in the standards. It's hit. But maybe not as much as it really should be. There's just so many more advanced skills that teachers feel pressured to get to. I mean, advanced reading skills. We got to get them reading, right? And counting syllables, it can be one that's kind of easy to gloss over. Glossing over those counting syllables, it really is a mistake because it makes future reading skills more shaky than they need to be. Being able to hear the natural breaks in words and where to place the emphasis in spoken words, it helps to build the fluidity in our speaking and eventually in our reading. Most kids naturally learn to speak fluidly. And that just means that they're keeping an appropriate rhythm and rate when speaking. Teaching them to break down the syllables and words helps to improve that skill even more. Even in students who are pretty good at that stuff already. When students get to the reading phase, having strong phonological syllabication skills, it just helps those students to read fluently. It helps them to emphasize words correctly and it improves their comprehension of text that they've read. More importantly, I mean, to me, is they're able to read with a good rate and just hear the flow of the words. It helps to make reading more enjoyable, which we know the more that kids enjoy reading, the more that they're going to read, which improves their reading skills. It's just this, this beautiful cycle when it works that way. But when students struggle to feel that flow, they don't, they don't feel comfortable in that flow of the words and the sentences, they, they sound choppy. It's just they're not as confident in what they're saying and what they're reading. It's just so much less enjoyable. And it's harder. It's really hard to understand what's being read for the listener and for the student who's doing the actual reading. So even if students, they might know their phonics rules, but if they struggle to read with that nice, comfortable flow, it can impact their enjoyment of the text as well as their comprehension. So what's a poor teacher to do about teaching counting syllables to students, especially in those grades where that skill, it's it's no longer an emphasis? Okay, I just keep wanting to say emphasis instead of emphasis uh, every time I say that word, just because there's like a meme out there or something that messes with the word. And because I'm talking about syllabication, it just is going through my head. So I apologize. And if you're anything like me, and every time I say the word emphasis, you're thinking emphasis, I'm right there with you. So anyway, much like teaching the the counting words and syllables that we talked about last week, getting kids moving, it really helps them to hear the breaks or the syllables in the words. I think most of us learn to count syllables by clapping like way back in the day, or at least for me, it was way back in the day. But another option, of course, is jumping, hopping, stepping, moving, just moving physical items like counters. The more that we can get kids moving or using items that they can touch and feel and manipulate to help them, the more easily that they're going to internalize the skill that we're trying to teach. Personally, I like to use, you know, those little red and yellow circle counter things. 
I like using those for teaching kids to count syllables. Yeah, okay, I know I've mentioned using the little mini cars and and things like that in the past. But here's my secret with all this. I try really hard to use different manipulatives for the different skills that I want the students to practice. Maybe it's just the way my brain works, but I think that it really does make it a little bit easier for the students to kind of segment, to, to, to categorize what they're doing, and to more quickly jump from one skill to another when we're, when we're working on it. Like, for example, if they know that they use cars to blend or segment phonemes, but they use the red and yellow counters to count syllables, it's just easier for them to jump from one skill set to the other. And just seeing something different, feeling something different, it helps them to grasp the dis- different skill sets, really, that they're mastering. Plus, you know, all, honestly, it's weird how just changing up something as simple as the type of manipulatives helps to make those activities just a little bit more interesting. Okay, especially when they know that, you know, old Miss Curtis, who knows what she might be pulling out for them to use for manipulatives when they, you know, get to a new skill set. It's just, they're, they never know what I'm going to pull out of my box of tricks. So for more ideas on how to teach this skill in particular, I want to encourage you to check out the FCCR website. It, it's I've, I'll link it in the show notes. This website has been around for years, and I really do mean years. Um, it was that was one of the first websites that I really went to for you know free resources back when I first kind of started teaching. It, it's got some pretty good activities and there's different sections in there, but I really did like the phonological awareness skills and the, those pieces. They're divided up into age groups. So you can work on, you know, pre-K or kindergarten or first and second. I think it goes up to third and fourth grade uh, is the, the focus ages for those. But there really is there something for just about everybody on those web on that website and I just, I really want to encourage you to check that out. First of all, it's free. And, you know, we're teachers. We're not paid nearly enough. And just having some some extra resources to pull from that if what you're doing on a given day just isn't working, you can pull some stuff uh, from the website. And it's it's pretty good stuff. Um, the stuff is all, it's all geared towards small group uh, type of activities, practice activities. There isn't going to be anything in there where you're you're introducing the skill for the first time, but it really is good, especially for centers. Uh, I used to use these those activities a lot for centers. Again, free. You just print them and then you can laminate and set them up however you want to. Okay, so even with all that in mind. All the practice in the world for this skill or any skill doesn't mean that we know that a student is mastering that concept, right? So that means, yeah, we got to progress monitor the skill set. Okay, I know. I know. You're like, just be quiet about the progress monitoring. I talk about it all the time. But like I've said so many times before, progress monitoring really is the key to supporting true academic gains for students. 
by tracking how the students are doing in an area of deficit, we know without any doubt whether we need to reteach or we need to move on. And I mean, maybe sometimes the data shows we need to really, really move on because that student is ready for the next skill set, which is awesome. Okay, also, in addition to that, our kids need some feel-good moments, especially right now with, with as world crazy as it's been, all that. When you can show a student a graph, you know, just a simple bar graph about how much that they have improved over the time that they've, they've worked on a particular skill set, man, that really helps kids, especially those who are struggling. It helps them to understand that, hey, their hard work is it's it's paying off. Maybe they don't see it in their their changes in grades yet. But if we can show them how that hard work that they're putting in, or maybe not putting in, and we want to encourage them to put more hard work in, that that pays off over time. It, it does a lot to boost their confidence and it motivates them to keep working towards those goals. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox, you know, for this round. <laughs> but I, I will say, if you're wanting to progress monitor counting syllables, one piece of advice that I'm going to give you is make sure that you group your words by number of syllables. For example, you might work on words with one to three syllables to start out with in progress monitoring. And then once students get a little, you know, more confident in their skills, open it up to one to five syllables. I've never really bothered, honestly, having students count syllables above five, probably because those are some really big, complicated words, and I don't really want to explain or try to explain what those mean, but also because once they can get five syllables, they seem to be pretty good about generalizing to words with more syllables pretty easily. Of course, that's a call that you're going to have to make to determine if that skill is mastered for your students. Um, I would say if they can consistently count up to five syllables in a word, that's that's pretty good. Um, my students, by that time, they've all been able to, to generalize that skill to, to really, really big words. I would always give them like some crazy cheat words, you know. But your student may need more explicit practice beyond five. I don't want to. I don't want to say don't do it. Um, but I've never had a student who, once they got to being able to count five syllables, that they couldn't generalize it to to more advanced words. So once your student masters that counting syllables stuff, and they've already mastered, if they're working on syllables, they've already mastered counting, you know, words and sentences, what else is there in phonological awareness? Well, next week, we're going to talk about rhyming and alliteration, and how we can help just even more students lay a strong phonological foundation for those reading skills, and all the other reading skills that come after it. Until next week, may your coffee be strong, your students calm, and your state testing complete. Bye.